Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode of the For the Love of the Game podcast on the Believe Podcast Network is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the number one spot for all your sports action this holiday season. I know there was NFL yesterday, tons of college basketball, and the best place to place your bets is Bet Online. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile site to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with promo code BLEAVE to receive your bonus. That's promo code BLEAVE. B L E A V to receive your 50% deposit bonus. That is again promo code believe. And with that said, episode 133 for the love of the game. Let's get DJ this. DJ Khaled, we the best season as we turn. Cause I'm out here grinding. I do this for the streets, the runners. Cause I'm out here grinding. Welcome back. It is episode 133 for the love of the game with yours truly, ATH, Mr. Aaron Tobin Hess. I hope everybody had an awesome Thanksgiving day. It's one of my favorite days of the year. I'm still recovering from an insane amount of food that I ate. I ate for two people, but we uh, tried to detox this morning with a little 45-minute Peloton ride. The turkey burn, 45 minutes with Alex Toussaint was a great ride. So here we are. A couple of notes from yesterday's NFL games. The Lions and Bears, I mean, just absolutely brutal to watch. Just disgusting. Normally, as part of my Thanksgiving Day tradition, I have done my workout. By the time the 12:30 game starts, I'm on the couch and hors d'oeuvres are served. I had no interest in rushing myself yesterday because the lions and bears just just gross i mean maybe the two of the five worst teams in the nfl the bears squeak it out 16 14 as for the lions it's just i mean it's a real sad sack of affairs right now i mean just i if they weren't winning yesterday i'm not sure where they get a win on the schedule considering they tied with the pittsburgh Steelers a couple weeks ago dallas and the raiders this was a fun game 33 the 30 Raiders in Dallas. I mean, it's good to see that some things still don't change. You know, Dallas having a great start to the season, falling back down to earth, finding new ways to choke away a win. It's good to see that some things still don't change, even as the Giants are as anemic as ever, just a disgusting display. And thank goodness that that idiot Jason Garrett was fired. It's about damn time. I mean, I said that that was going to be a disaster from the time he was hired. What do you know? Called it. But it wasn't just me. I think most people who watch Jason Carrot coach with the Cowboys knew that this was going to be a failed experiment. But for the Giants, it's not far enough. You got a clean house. The general manager's got to go. I say the coach has got to go. It's just time to do away with the whole thing. 
started from scratch again. But anyway, as back to the Cowboys, it's good to see that the Cowboys are going to choke this away again. Uh, I'm not sure that the division is good enough for somebody to catch them, but it's good to see that they are as mediocre as they always are. Some things will never change. Good to see. So Raiders, that's a big time win in Dallas, 33-30. As for the actual game, it was an entertaining game. And again, I was in and out watching the game because I was sitting down at dinner, which was tremendous. Shout out to mom for putting on a great, great performance as usual. I don't expect anything less. Food was fantastic. But as entertaining of a game as it was, the refereeing, it's just an issue. It's like, how many penalties are you going to call? It's just too much. It's too much, and it's ruining the product, all right? I know by the letter of the law, the last pass interference call on the Cowboys was P.I. The corner didn't turn his head to look for the ball, but it's just soft. The amount of contact on that play was soft. I get it the letter of the law but like come on a little bit right like just come on like it's got to be better it's got to be better and it's ruining the nfl product as for the nightcap buffalo and new orleans buffalo absolutely curb stopped new orleans kind of knew the bills were due i mean if you have any faith in the bills and josh allen and and the bills as a whole you know their defense was still ranked after getting thrashed last week still ranked in like the top five in DVOA. You knew that the Bills were going to really beat down New Orleans because New Orleans' offense is bad. There was no Kamara. There was no Ingram. I mean, it's Trevor Simeon, a quarterback, just a mess. Now, I'm not necessarily sure that the Bills are all the way back, but it's good to see them curb stomp somebody like they did, especially on the road, because winning in New Orleans, even with the team not as good as it's been in a while, it's still a tough place to play. As for week 12 against the spread, after my 0 for in week 10, week 11, super profitable. We were back, 4-1. and one. Let's keep uh, that gravy train rolling. So first off, we've got Pittsburgh plus 4.5 for Cincy. We got Miami minus 1.5 against the Panthers. Titans plus 6.5 against the Patriots. Giants 3.5 point dogs against Philly and Tampa. Three-point favorites against the Colts, so those are the plays. Again, Pitt plus four and a half, Miami minus one and a half, Titans plus six and a half, Giants plus three and a half, Tampa minus three. Before we get into uh, today's guest, we're having a first-time guest on to talk a little New York Rangers hockey, a member of the Believe Podcast family to talk a little Rangers hockey because they are the best team in New York right now with the best chances of winning a title. Just some quick Knicks thoughts after the Lakers game Tuesday night. Knicks were up 25 early. Things were rainbows and cotton candy. And then all of a sudden we start going into the ISO ball game. And we were just turning the ball over like crazy. We had a seven minute stretch where we turned the ball over six times. And the amount of actual passes thrown in that amount of time were limited. So it just goes to show you how terrible it was. Now, if you follow me on Instagram, which I'm sure you guys do, and if you don't, you should, because I'm entertaining as hell. It was rough. It was really, really rough. Uh, But I I ranted then, but I'm just going to consolidate it a little bit. 
We had the full gambit of the Julius Randle experience, right? Early on in the first quarter, he was setting the tone. Everything was quick off the catch, right? He was going to the basket. There were few mid-range jumpers off the bounce. I mean, there was there was one play, though, however, even when he was in his good stretch, where it was a three-on-two break, and all he had to do was run the break hard, and he had a layup. He basically stopped, got the ball, decided to post up a mismatch, and took this absolutely garbage fadeaway three airballed. Now the Knicks got the rebound and hit a corner three. So they got lucky, but just like Jules, what are we doing, man? What are we doing? And then in the second quarter, when it was started going to hell, he was pretty bad. And in the third quarter where they played an absolutely terrible third quarter, where now the lead is zero, right? They go into the half up 12 points. Now the lead is zero, and they're basically going back and forth with the Lakers. Julius was terrible. Absolutely terrible. Obi Toppin comes in. Emmanuel quickly comes in. Again, there was no Derrick Rose last night. And, of course, they sparked the run, you know, and, and give the Knicks the lead. And they were tremendous in the fourth quarter. Obi with his energy. He was plus 15, all right? IQ hit a couple of big threes in the fourth quarter. The Knicks pull out a game that should not have been that close. 106-100 against the Lakers team that is an absolute mess without LeBron James. Listen, we don't apologize for wins. A win is a win. But Julius Randle right now is an issue, okay? Thinking that he's a cross between LeBron James and Carmelo Anthony in their prime, it, it's a problem. All right, Jules, you ain't that guy, bro. You're not that guy, to, to quote the uh, famous famous dude in – the convenience store in Florida. You're not that guy. All right. Stop playing like that guy. And Tibbs, stop enabling Julius to play like that guy. But he wasn't the biggest problem that night. The Kemba Walker experience, as I said on Instagram, it needs to be over. It, I was pro taking a flyer, especially after the buyout. Bring the guy home, you know, Bronx native, bring him home to Madison Square Garden. But he's just, it's toast. It's toast. He has no explosiveness off the dribble. His handle's bad. If he's not making threes, he's useless on offense, right? How many times are we going to have to watch him turn the ball over nonchalantly by half court? Driving me absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. It's just, it's done. It's done. IQ needs to start. Kemba's got to be benched. Rose will lead the second unit. Get Grimes more minutes. Maybe a little Deuce McBride in the right scenario. Get him in the mix. It's just done. I mean, in a game where the Knicks were up 25 points, midway through the third quarter, Kemba Walker was a minus four. And again, he didn't play the entire fourth quarter, which was great because he had given them absolutely nothing. A minus four, all right? You know how insane that is? It's absolutely insane. Randall was a minus two. Obi Toppin, on the other hand, was a plus 15. Like, figure it out. When Randall went back in the game in the fourth quarter, with about, he tried to get back in the game with about four minutes left. I was going absolutely out of my mind. Now, lucky for Tibbs that there were no whistles to pull Toppin and that there was no stoppage of play. Because Toppin was doing everything right, okay? Everything right. Rolling to the rim in the right spot trying hard on defense. And then immediately when Julius Randle gets in with a minute 45 left, he catches the ball, takes an absolutely horrific 
off the bounce jump shot, air ball, going the other way, and the Knicks got lucky that Carmelo missed a couple of threes that he's made all year, wide open looks, and that Malik Monk took two garbage attempts. It's just, why pull Toppin when he has it going? Why? What has Julius Randle done this year to deserve the respect that he's getting with guaranteed 35, 36 minutes? It's nuts. Tibbs, figure it out, dude. Figure it out. Enough is enough already. The rotations, the rotations need to change. Like, I understand there are vets on the team, and it's a deep team, and that there are going to be politics within the team in terms of who's going to play and who's not. But right now, we're over the quarter mark of the season, right? It's time. It's time to start playing dudes who deserve to play and not just because of the reputations that they had. Now, the Knicks play tonight. They're back at home. Phoenix, a red-hot Phoenix team, has won 14 straight games, comes into MSG. The Knicks have played up to their competition. They've also played down to their competition. It's incredibly frustrating. So we'll see what happens tonight. But Tibbs, Toppin and Quickly have to play 25 minutes a night. It has to be. I don't care what the circumstance is. That's what has to happen going forward. It's for the betterment of the franchise in the near future and in the distant future because we got to see what we have in these dudes. There's a lot of promise. Play the young kids, especially when they have it rolling. Now, if they're horrendous, fine. I understand. But if they have it rolling, there's no excuse. No excuse. Tibbs, it's time to hurt some feelings on the rotations, all right? You got to figure it out. We absolutely have to figure it out. Anyway, uh, just a, a little bit of a mini rant, considering I was way more emotional and unstable. I know it's a little unhealthy. Uh, when I was ranting about it Tuesday night when the game was actually happening. So just a quick monologue on a Friday, Thanksgiving weekend, and we're about to welcome on a first-time guest to talk a little Rangers hockey in just a matter of moments. I am welcoming on a very special guest, as I teased in the monologue before, somebody who I've gone back and forth with for a while now, a fellow Believe podcast member. Uh, he's got a, a couple of great shows. He's got The Locker Room. He's got the Rangers show on the Believe Podcast Network. The one and only Johnny Lazarus, fellow Long Island native. Johnny, what's good, bro? Welcome Thanks, on. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, Aaron. I appreciate you having me on here. Appreciate it. I was looking forward to having you on. I haven't talked nearly enough Rangers hockey since the season started, and I couldn't think of anybody better to talk about it than you, considering you do great work on the Rangers during the year and uh yeah just just excited about it so where the rangers stand right now 12 and 4 with three overtime losses they are third in the metro division i mean it's a pretty good start to the season how surprised are you about the start um did you expect this like where were you before the season started and um and how much have they exceeded your expectations so I think a lot of people would tell you that, you know, they might have thought the Rangers and Islanders would kind of be flip-flopped right now as far as standings goes. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of question marks just because, you know, a whole new coaching staff, Gerard Gallant, new GM, you know, they kind of just cleaned house last year. And 
a lot of the young guys, you know, as as well as they did last year, they haven't really had a full 82 game season. So there's a lot of question marks going into this year with like Lafreniere and Kako. Um, you know, obviously Fox showed himself last year and he's continued to do that this year. But, um, you know, I think the, the biggest surprise really has been the emergence of Shesterkin. Um, You know, we all knew he was really good, but did we think he would be a top five goalie in the league? You know, that's kind of been a big surprise in, in a really good way. Um, but yeah, I mean, the coolest thing for me is just seeing how well this team's clicking on the ice, like personality wise, right? Like, you know, that's kind of what I love about the game. It's all about the personalities and just seeing guys have fun. Like, you know, those are the best teams, right? The teams that gel away from the rink, it kind of shows on the rink. So I think that was a big thing last year that this team kind of missed out on was that off ice bonding because, you know, the COVID year, obviously everything was a little difficult as far as like going out to restaurants and kind of really being an NHL player. Not that I know what that is, but, um, you know, everything that I've heard, uh, there's like a lot of off ice bonding and stuff on the road and, and all that kind of stuff. So um, it's really nice to see these kids and, and the older guys gel and you can just kind of tell at the end of every game, like you got Kreider, Mika, Laugh, all hugging each other. Just looks like a really happy group. So I think, um, you know, that's been a really big part of the success is just how well this team just really gels personality-wise. It's interesting because they have so many young guys, right? And young mm. guys always want to I – mean, you see it in basketball too. You have young guys who are just trying to, like, prove their way and make their mark. And sometimes there's a selfishness to that, which is natural, right? Because you're trying yeah. to put – you know make your stamp on the game. You're trying to get your footing in the league and, and prove that you belong. And sometimes it can be, it's hard to play as a team when it can be disjointed like that, when guys are trying to prove themselves and get their numbers. Mm -hmm. And for the Rangers to have this young of a, a team and to be gelling the way they are, like you said, is exceedingly surprising. And, and you've heard it from other hockey podcasts. Like I'm sure you listen to spitting chicklets, right? Like mm -hmm. those guys talk about the, the camaraderie of a hockey team. And, and I, I really think a camaraderie of a hockey team is way different than in any other sport. It, they just, it's the personality of hockey players that it's honestly incredibly refreshing. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, this Ranger team is, is really gelling and it's, it's great to see considering that Last year, they missed the playoffs. Obviously, it's a weird COVID year. But because of the schedule, the way it broke out, as you well know, like they played in the hardest division. They basically mm. only played division games, right? So mm. it was kind of like they were a little bit better than their record indicated. But this year, you know, getting off to a good start. I know they, uh, you know, one of the things that was kind of made Ranger fans a little upset was Buchnevich leaving. Mm -hmm. And um, because they, they thought that he has a lot of promise and he showed to be a, a real asset for the blues. But I, I think so far, everything that they've done has been, has worked. Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I think any Ranger fan would tell you that they uh, didn't necessarily win this off season. Um, you know, getting rid of Buchnevich was a big part of signing a big free agent, which they, you know, didn't really do. And obviously Sammy play kind of went down with the season ending injury. So, um, you know, there's a, uh, definitely a big role to fill. Um, you know, right now, I think Dryden Hunt's playing on the top line. And, and let's be real, he's not really a top line guy. I know Goodrow filled in for a little bit as well. Um, so they're just trying to find that line combination right now to fill in for Sammy Blay. And as much as I love Buchnevich, um, you know, he didn't really get much playoff experience. So it was tough to really talk about what he could do in the playoffs. Um, but the guys they brought in, like you could tell, um, you know, obviously Blaze Hurt, once again, like I just said, but Goodrow, Ryan Reeves, these guys have played in the Stanley Cup finals. Goodrow obviously just won back to back. Um, with Tampa Bay. So those are the kind of guys you need in the locker room. Um, you know, they might not be the prettiest guys out there to watch or, you know, 
guys that make highlight real plays every night. Although Ryan Reeves looked fucking amazing. And I curse on here, by the way. Absolutely. Let <laughs> okay, it yeah. you let it Ryan Reeves looked fucking amazing uh, against the Islanders the other night. That backhand pass to Kevin Rooney was, was pretty nasty and um, very unexpected from him. His first two assist game of uh, yeah. his career. First two I, don't, I don't even know. Yeah, I don't even know if it was the first two assist game of his but career. Yeah, that, but that pass was was awesome. I mean, they absolutely thrashed the Islanders. Which I mean, I think we both expect that the Islanders are going to get their stuff together. I mean, yeah. they had a ridiculous start to the schedule <laughs> playing what was it, thirteen away games to start mm-hmm. the year, which is nuts. Yeah. So th- they'll be back. But yeah, it was. It, it always feels good to beat up on the Islanders. I still think they're going to make the playoffs, um, and we've kind of seen it. And and yeah, we've seen it in Barry Trotz's term here. Also, like you know, I think Barry Trotz's first season, the Islanders went like on a 15 game point streak or something like that. So, um, you know, I won't be surprised if when they're fully healthy, if they go on a, a pretty good run to get themselves back into the playoff contention. So you mentioned the uh, cohesion of the team yeah. um, as being one of the biggest surprises, but if you had to pick like one player, right, who's really exceeded expectations, who's that guy for you? I mean, I think it's an obvious answer. Like, you know, Chris Kreider has been incredible, like 15 Crazy. goals in 19 games. Yeah, I mean, I mean I've mean, i always been a Kreider fan. He's always been my favorite player, um, you know, kind of including Foxy, I guess. But, um, you know, Kreider's like growing up for me was, you know, that American-born forward came out of college, kind of the guy you just looked up to as a, as a you know, American kid who wanted to play in college. Um, and 15 goals in 19 games. Like, I, you know, Kreider is a prolific 20-goal scorer. Like, you can kind of expect 20 from him every year. I think there's only been like two seasons in his career where he hasn't put up at least 20. Um, but, you know, you hear all these rumors about Kreider being so streaky and um, all these things. And, like, when will he like really take off? Can he maintain this scoring pace? And um, everything he's done this year, I don't see why he can't continue to do it. So continue to do so. And on my show, I said, you know, there's no reason why Kreider can't put up 40 this year. I mean, he's scoring goals from, you know, the, the highest probability area on the ice. Like he's just standing in front of the net. He's deflecting pucks. He's, going to those dirty areas to find those goals. He's not the Chris Kreider that he was, you know, five, seven years ago, where all you can expect from him was to skate down the left wing and rip a snapshot top shelf. Like that's kind of like what he was known for. That's, you know, what he was known for in college, just that huge burst of speed and scoring a lot of breakaway goals. But, um, you know, it's nice to see him kind of adjust and change his game a little bit and play that net front spot and, uh, you know, just really have a, a good all around offensive game. The power play statistics for Chris Kreider are outrageous. Mm-hmm are absolutely outrageous. And I was probably guilty of it also over the years, just being incredibly frustrated with him. It's just like, I, I always find that, you know, hockey's kind of like basketball in a sense where you need a guy sometimes in basketball that's just going to get you buckets, right? You're just going to need a guy who's going to, you know, put the ball in the hoop. Hockey's mm-hmm. no different, right? You're just going to need a guy who's going to score a, a, a shit ton of goals. And we always kind of expected that from Cry. I know he, he you know, puts up 20, but it was kind of like, that's not a bucket getter, if you know what I mean. And this year, he's been that dude. I might have to disagree with you, though, though. All right. I uh, see. I'm, I'm a big basketball fan as well. I'm a huge Knicks fan. But the difference with hockey and basketball is that, you know, basketball, you have a dominant guy. He's probably playing 42 out of 48 minutes a night, right? Like, he's on the court most of the time. Hockey, like Chris Kreider is probably getting, you know, 25 minutes a night, which is right. less than half the game. So that's like, that's yeah. one of the... Yeah, if that, that's one of the biggest differences about hockey is like you can have these dominant guys, but they're not out there for half the game. Like even Connor McDavid's probably getting like 26, 28 minutes, which is still less than half the game. So, you know, hockey in that sense, like as, as many dominant guys as you have, like basketball, you can just win a game with, you know, two of the top five players in the league on the court because they're playing, you know, more than three fourths of that of the game. So, um, you know, for hockey, 
I don't, I don't know if Kreider was ever so dominant, um, but there was always that potential, right? And it's nice to finally see that kind of come through. Yeah. Uh, so do you think the start is sustainable? Yeah, I don't see I don't see why not. Um, you know, it, it really all depends on Chesterkin, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you kind of just need a goalie to and when we saw it for 15 years with Henrik Lundqvist, right? Like that Rangers team did not deserve to be in the spots they were, but Henrik Lundqvist kind of got them there. Um, you know, that 2012 year we were solid but had no business really being in the conference final. Um, 2014-15 we were much better. I thought 2015 we kind of deserved to win the Stanley Cup. We kind of you know, uh, screwed up there on home ice in game five and game seven against Tampa Bay, getting shut out both games. Um, you know, Henrik obviously stood in his head, but no one could score. Um, but this start, I mean, listen, we're what, uh, 19 games in, 20 games in. It's really hard to tell on hockey. And, you know, you kind of look, I'm going to bring up the Islanders again, but Tampa Bay, or not Tampa Bay, St. Louis in 2019 when they won the Stanley Cup, they were in dead last in January. So, like, hockey's a sport where you really don't know what could happen. Like, it's still November. There's 60, plus games left in the season, like so much shit can change, especially with the two week Olympic break this year, like God knows what can happen. And I think in the last Olympics that the NHL players were in, John Tavares ended up getting hurt, which cost the Islanders their season. So, you know, God forbid someone gets hurt, but so much shit can change. And um, as, as great as it is to watch them have so much success right now, and it really gives hope throughout the entire season. Like it's way better to, you know, have hope for the season than like, you know, have a start like the Chicago Blackhawks where it's like, oh fuck. And they figure it out. And, maybe do something here because the Blackhawks, in my opinion, had the best offseason. Like they got Seth Jones, Flurry, they brought in all these big name guys, but then they underperformed at the start and might have put themselves in too big of a hole. So I don't know, man. It's it's definitely really fun to watch. And the biggest thing is playing hockey at the right time. So if they're playing good hockey in March, you know, then I'll be really happy. But right now How many Rangers do you think are gonna be up for like Team USA and Team Canada? Um, you know, Olympics in general. Are we gonna yeah. have a lot of guys in the Olympics? Um I would, I would say at least like five or six. Um, you know, I, I would say Panarin, Fox, Kreider, Zabanajad, Truba. No, nah, not Truba. Kako. Those guys are locks. I would say. Yeah. Um, you know, Foxy. I don't think Kreider will make the USA. Uh, maybe he will. Um, but this USA roster this year has a lot of talent on it. Like if Jack Hughes is back, Jack Eichel's back, Austin Matthews, Patrick Kane. Like these guys are. This might be the most skilled USA team we've had probably ever in the Olympics, honestly. But, you know, God knows again if these guys can stay healthy. And I would love to see Jack Eichel make his return for the Olympics. That'd be awesome. So let's talk about our guy, Adam Fox. Yeah. You know, member of the tribe, Adam Fox. Somebody Mm -hmm. who you know know pretty well. Um, So when did you know that he was just like just a different caliber player? Um, I mean, I always, we always kind of knew when we were kids, like, you know, we'd all skate together and stuff and everyone would say like how incredible he was, but it was always really the smarts. Um, you know, I think he's kind of gotten stronger physically and faster, um, as a skater in the last couple of years, but everyone always knew like he was the smartest guy on the ice whenever he was on the ice since we were like eight years old. Um, you know, that's, that's something that's never changed, but for him to, to be this legit, I don't, I don't know if anyone could have told you that until last year like we all knew he'd make the nhl and and get his chance but to win the norris i don't even know if you know i don't even know if he would have told you that like it it really is such a special thing and you know no one ever doubted him i would say everyone knew like he'll come into his own like he was always that power play specialist like always saw the ice so well um you know and even when he was trying to make the rangers originally like we knew we had to get in the power play to really get his confidence because that's where all his confidence comes from and then again like a lot of it's all about opportunity right like 
in a sport like football, I think about Tony Romo and Dak Prescott. If Romo doesn't get hurt, we might never hear of Dak Prescott. So kind of like in this situation also, D'Angelo you know, does whatever he does in the locker room with Georgiev and D'Angelo gets shipped off and Fox gets his opportunity. And you know, if, if D'Angelo doesn't do that and that never happens, you know, we might not be talking about Foxy winning the Norris. Like that could have never happened because D'Angelo was running the first power play unit and you know, Fox was, you know, still on the second unit. But um, you know, once we saw D'Angelo kind of leave, that's when Foxy kind of emerged into his own. And hockey's a game of confidence, just like any other sport. So once you start putting up numbers and the thing about hockey too is like Fox is a guy that plays better with better players. Like he's a guy who makes other people better. So for him to be in the NHL, like he's played the best hockey he's ever played now than he did even in college when he was so dominant in college, but you know, he's just playing with that much better of guys. So, um, you know, it really has been awesome to see. And it, it's the best story in, in sports. I think just like a Jewish kid from Long Island winning the Norris trophy for the New York Rangers and could eventually be the captain someday. Second coming of Brian Leach. Like we're on that trajectory right now. Yeah. And could even surpass it. <laughs> it's absolutely wild. Absolutely wild between Adam Fox winning the Norris Trophy and my alma mater, Yeshiva University, winning 43 mm-hmm. straight basketball games. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the big time, big time uh, th- things going on with the Jews in, in athletics. It's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, and he wins the Norris Trophy last year, but it even seems like he's improved this year. Like he's even better this year, which is yeah. wild. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's, it's all confidence, right? Like, anything in sports. I mean, I'm trying to think of it like even Kreider right now, Kreider got off to such a hard start and he's so confident that he's just going to continue doing that. Like you kind of get into the mindset where it's like, you know, I'm just going to score. Like it's, it's, it's kind of that mindset. And then again, you think about it the other way, right? Like if things aren't going well, like Kako for a little bit, you know, Kako now is only a five. Yeah. He's only a five game point streak right now. But when you're on the opposite end of the spectrum, it's like, Oh my God, I can't fucking buy a goal. Like then you're just only thinking negatively and it kind of goes into a spiral effect. But then again, like, when you get that first one, when it rains, it pours. Like, seriously, that's just how it is in hockey. Like, we knew once he got that first one, he'd kind of take off. And now he's got six points in 15 games after having, I think, zero through the first 10, maybe. I think it was 10 or 11. Um, but, yeah, like I said, with Foxy, man, like, he he is only going to continue to get better and better and better. I mean, he's in his third year. He hasn't even really played a true playoff game yet. He played, you know, those three games in the bubble where they got swept. And it was actually pretty funny. We were at, uh, at dinner – I think before the season last year and um, with, with like our camp Equinox um, alumni and someone asked him like, Oh, how was the bubble? He was like, dude, I was there for like a fucking week. I don't even know. <laughs> you know so uh, <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So, um, you know, it'd be really cool to see this team make the playoffs and for them to finally just get like a real playoff experience. Cause I think that's just the next step for this team. You know, I don't think any Ranger fan should like have the expectation of them going to the conference final. It's really all about getting that experience. So you mentioned, Foxy, you mentioned uh, Kaka. Where are you at with uh, Lafreniere these days? Obviously, former number one overall pick. Has he? Uh, is he where you think he would be right now? Like, what's your take on him? I love him. Um, you know, he he may be not playing the best hockey, but he's a twenty year old kid. He looks like he's having fun. He's accountable. He's got a great personality. He dropped the gloves the other night to protect Ryan Langren. Yeah. Like he, 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 I actually, I fucking love him. Honestly, I really do. He just seems like such a sweet kid too. Like everyone in that locker room loves him. Um, but then again, right? Like hockey and, and I'm going to say basketball again, because like I said, I'm a big basketball fan and it's different, right? Like John Morant comes in the league and you kind of see the impact he makes right away. Cause that's what basketball is. Like these hockey players, like they come in and they're playing against men. It's not really the same as basketball where like 
you don't have to be the most physical guy to be um, to make an impact in the NBA, I guess. But in the NHL, like you have to physically mature, right? Like right. he's a 20 year old kid going against 35 year old men. Like if, if you go into a battle in the corner, Ryan Reeves, I doubt Lafreniere is coming out with that puck. Like, let's be real. Um, right. So I think for him, it's just a little more, um, you know, physical maturity and uh, just more experience. Like he hasn't even played a full 82 games yet. Um, but yeah, with time, I, I mean, I think there's no reason why he can't be a superstar in this league. Like he has all that skill. He just needs the time and the experience. It's so crazy to think about the last two NHL seasons. And it's just like, these guys haven't played, you know, yeah. full 82 yet. It's it, it really, it can't be like understand. I guess we take it for granted. Now that things are, seem to be a little bit back to normal. Madison mm-hmm. square garden is absolutely booming and it's awesome to see, except for mm-hmm. the fact that my record in Knicks games is Owen. Three on the year. Oh, really? One and zero. One and zero on Ranger games. So I feel like we're back. Uh, we feel like which we're game back. were you at? I was at. Um, oh my god, who are they playing? I uh, was it Buffalo. Oh really? Was that was a, you, that was the buzzer beater. No, no, no. I was not at that game. It was three to two. The final score was three to two. I can't believe Montreal it. probably Montreal. Montreal, yes, it was yeah. Montreal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, had had nice nice tickets. It was like mm-hmm. section one ten, like right behind the goals. It was, it sweet. was awesome. Yeah. But so I feel like we're 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 back a little bit in terms of my own personal MSG success. But it's, mm-hmm. yeah, it if you put things into perspective, like these young kids, like haven't had a normal training camp. They haven't had a normal season. So it's like. And as New York sports fans, like we're impatient, we're impossible. Like we want things immediately. And it's like, we got to give them a little bit of leeway, a little bit of leeway. You mentioned Ryan Reeves, right? Mm -hmm. The big thing in the off season was the Rangers, you know, were a finesse team need to get a little tougher, right? Mm -hmm. We saw that they got punked by the the Capitals at the end of last year, uh, which really, I think, set things in motion in terms of the way their off season was going to go. How have you liked the Ryan Reeves edition so far? And do you think it's kind of solved that toughness problem that it was clearly lacking uh, last year? I, even last year, I think it was, um, you know, a little blown out of proportion, the toughness thing. I mean, mm-hmm. listen, they, they've shown toughness, I think, this season so far, and they've shown grit and they've shown resilience. Um, and I think what Ryan Reeves really does, I mean, Reeves hasn't really fought that much. He's had one fight. Uh, the game you were at against Montreal where he fucking destroyed that guy. I don't even know his name. He was some rookie. But, um, you know, what Reeves does too is just he brings that presence to the locker room and also just like on the ice, like the opponent's not going to run around and do stupid shit because they know they're going to pay for it with Ryan Reeves out there. Like we saw Ranger Islanders, Matt Martin, Casey Zizekas, Kyle Clutterbuck, usually guys who like to stir it up. They didn't really do shit against the Rangers. Like they just didn't. Um and, and even at know, the end of the game in the Montreal game, when Gallagher starts going crazy, like yeah. it, it, it permeates through the entire roster. Like everybody's mm-hmm. ready to go, like protect their teammate. Yeah. Even Foxy too. Foxy uh, attempted to fight Pajot the other night. He tried. I think he yeah, just put him in a headlock, but he dropped Our his boy. gloves. I was, I was proud of him. Um, but yeah, I think what Reeves does too is just, you know, you kind of see his personality too. He is such a fun guy. It seems like, you know, I, I watch a lot of the post-game press conferences and all that stuff. And him the other night, he was saying how that like him and Lafreniere kind of switched roles. You know, Reeves had two points and and Laf dropped the gloves, which is awesome. But you can just sense that like he came into this room and, and clicked right away with these guys. Like he's become a mentor, I think, to the young guys. Um, and he's just a guy everyone kind of looks up to. And yeah, it might not be to score goals, but I think it's just have a positive impact on the locker room and um, you know, everyone kind of talks about how great of a guy he is and 
how great of a teammate he is. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm super pumped that he's here. You know, I don't really care how many fights he gets to as long as he's just that strong, positive, uh, you know, role model kind of guy in the locker room. Where are you at with fighting in hockey? Um, what's, your, what's your opinion on it? Because mine is a little. I let me hear yours first. Yeah, let me hear yours sure. first. So I think it, I understand that, you know, it's a physical game. You got to protect your teammates. And I get that. I also find that like what I love about playoff hockey so much is that there is none, right? Mm -hmm. There is none. And it's, and hockey is such a stylistic, clean, you know, fast game. I, I think sometimes the over the top fighting cheapens it a little bit. It cheapens the product to me. And I, I know sometimes like you're going to protect your teammates and, and get after it. But I think, and I think the NHL is trying to do this. It's trying to, not phase it out, but kind of push it to the back burner as much as possible. And I think that's a good thing. I still think it's needed though. Um, you know, I, I think what they've done is, is get, get rid of like the, what's the word I'm looking for? Pre goons. no, 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 not, not, not goons like pre, uh, pre mode. Uh, what's the fucking word? Predetermined? Like, yeah. Like the predetermined fights, right? Like, you know, if, if Reeves and like, I guess, for example, like five years ago, Rangers Islanders, Reeves and Martin probably were going to drop the gloves before the game even started. Like those are just, right. you know, kind of things that were just natural or not natural. Um, you know, fighting now is more natural. It's not as necessarily scripted. I guess that's what I was looking for. Um, you know, like the last five, 10 years, like the guys who were on that fourth line kind of knew going into the game that they'd probably have to fight to make an impact. But now I think it just happens organically where like we saw the other night, Pajot kind of takes a run high at Lingren. You know, his teammates are going to step up and try to beat the shit out of Pajot. Like that's just how it is. Because right. if you take fighting out of the game, then you have more of that running around kind of acting like a stupid asshole kind of shit. Right. And that was a lot of cursing. My bad for that. But um, no, but it's true. Like even, you know, even at the levels I played at, like once you take off your cage and take off the bubble and your face is unprotected, you see a lot of guys kind of have a different respect for the game. And once that respect is broken, you kind of have to answer the bell. Right. Um, so the guys who run around and, and throw high hits that are dangerous hits, like go after guys' jaws, like all this kind of shit, like they have to pay the price for it. And I think it has to happen. Like, you know, fighting for momentum is also a big thing. Uh, you know, one game that really stands out to me in like the NHL history is, I don't know if you remember this, I think it was like 2009 when the Penguins won the cup. It was Penguins Flyers, the... Flyers were up three nothing against the Penguins, and Max Talbot fought Dan Carcillo, and Talbot did like the you know silence the crowd kind of thing, and the Penguins came back and won that game I think five three and ended up winning the series. So like fighting in that sense just changed the entire trajectory of the game. Like it really just you know kind of wakes up the bench and like having one guy step up and doing that really just gets the guys going, um, especially when it's a guy who isn't necessarily the one to typically drop the gloves. Um, so I think fighting is just always going to be a part of the game, but. Um, you know, those, I can't think of the word again, those premeditated, premeditated, maybe premeditated, premeditated, predetermined. Yeah, yeah. I think premeditated was, what I was trying to go for, um, you know, those fights are kind of going to, going to be taken away from the game. So as a Ranger fan, right. By the way, one quick thing about, you know, hockey, hockey fights, what I like about, or what I, I shouldn't say like about what I appreciated about it is like when they do drop, it's kind of like an honor amongst thieves kind of thing. Mm. Where it's like, we're going to, we're going to tussle a little bit for like a minute and a half, maybe. And then it's just like, you know, we'll grab like a beer after the game. Like I, yeah. I do believe that there's a major honor amongst thieves in, in hockey when it comes to uh, mixing it up like that. Uh, okay. So as a Ranger fan, Islanders, Bruins, Penguins, Capitals, 
Which team do you hate the most and why? Which team do I hate them? I mean, I, I don't really see. I don't really like hate teams necessarily. Um, I guess if I had to pick one, I, I would say the Penguins. Um, you know, just growing up, I wasn't the biggest Crosby fan growing up when he was kind of younger in his career. There was a lot of like complaining to the refs and a lot of bitching. But obviously, like, I have so much respect for Sidney Crosby. He's the, the best player. Not, I mean, maybe not anymore, but was the best player on the planet for a long time. Um, but I actually, I remember walking around the garden as a, as a young kid when the Rangers played the Penguins in the playoffs, and there was a guy. I think it was like game four of the 2008 first round when the Rangers played the Penguins, or maybe second round. Yeah, it was second round because the Rangers beat the Devils that year. Um, and there was a guy walking around in a scuba outfit that had a poster that said, nice dive, 8.7 Sidney Crosby, whatever, because he would always dive and like try to get calls. Um, so I think the early part of his career, he was kind of like, you know, a flopper, a diver, all that kind of shit, um, which maybe not like him as a kid. But, you know, obviously, as he's gotten older, he's gotten a little more mature and um, doesn't really have that in his game anymore. But yeah, like for me, it'd be the Penguins. Um, I actually love the Bruins. Um, I love watching the Bruins. You know, Charlie McAvoy was another friend of mine growing up. Um, you know, played with him in high school a little bit and trained with him in the summers. So I always love watching him. And obviously him and Fox, you're going at it today on national TV, which is awesome. Um, in about a half but, an hour. We're, we're, yeah. we're, we're making sure we're going to wrap this up so we can uh, tune in. Yeah. And then who would you say the Devils and, and who's the other team? Capitals, Capitals. and Islanders. Capitals and Islanders. I mean, then again, so like Capitals, I love Ovechkin, always have, always will. Um, he's awesome. He's been great for the game. He's just so much fun to watch, has so much love for the game, and just seems like a great guy to be around. Um, so, you know, Capitals for me, I, I love watching them. And then the Islanders too. Like, I'm not one of those Ranger fans that hates the Islanders. Like, I just, I love hockey. Me too. Me yeah. too. I, I guess because we didn't grow up like in when the Islanders were winning four cups in a row and yeah. and, and the Dennis Potvin era, like we didn't see that. Right. So I don't mm. have the hatred for the Islanders that most Ranger fans have. Uh, and I have some island. I have a bunch of Islander friends bunch of Islander fan friends in my life that yeah. you know I enjoy. Right. So like I, I kind of have a soft spot for the Islanders almost for me. It's it's I mean, I, I just hate the city of Boston. Right. Mm. I think 98% of the city of Boston, anything associated with them sucks. Mm -hmm. So it, it's got to be, it'll probably be the Bruins just because of that. But in terms of like who's tormented the Rangers the most in, in the playoffs, as I've, you know, grown into a hockey fan, it's got to be the Penguins. Um, I, I, I don't really know. Honestly, it's, it's, it's tough. Like I, no one's really tormented them in my mind. I mean, you know, the Penguins have beaten them a fair share of times, but the Rangers have probably beaten them more in the playoffs. I think in the last decade, um, you know, I, I can't, there's no team that really like stands out to me as far as like tormenting the Rangers in the playoffs. I mean, I really, I mean, I can't, I can't think of one. There's not one that stands out. Um, you know, that's something maybe I'll watch for, I guess, going forward. Um, but yeah, and it's funny that you hate Boston. I guess I have a soft spot for Boston because I went to UMass Amherst for two years. So um, that's where my soft spot for Boston kicks in. I always say, and I had family that lived in Brookline for a while. So uh -huh. they're part of the 2% that is, I guess, considered okay, right? Yeah. Uh, but it's Well, you're a Jets fan too, right? No, I'm a Giants fan. Oh, you're a Giants fan. I was going to say, so then fan. that would make sense too if you hated Boston a little more. Yeah, um, it's uh, uh, that's that's not a great situation. But yeah. the... um it's a great college city. I just, mm. I have this rant that Boston is like the most provincial city in America that like all they care about is just being from Boston and all things Boston. And that's mm. like, it just drives me crazy. It, that's fair. It, 
and they think they're like the epicenter of the world. And it's just like, you're inferior to New York on so many levels. Like, like your sports run from 2000 to 2020, like, all right, that doesn't make you superior. I, I just can't stand them. It's, it's mm. the worst. They're That's the worst. fair. Um, so if you had to make one lineup change, obviously that the, that, you know, consider the Rangers are rolling right now, one lineup change, what would it be? And it's a two part question. Uh, trade deadline coming up eventually. If you could make one ideal move, what would that ideal move be? That's realistic. Again, realistic. I'll start with the trade deadline move. Um, you know, I don't necessarily know, like, I'm not like a contract guy, a numbers guy, so I don't know like where the salary cap kind of lines up, but I know, you know, some upcoming like free agents are Thomas Hurdle. Um, I think Phil Kessel is coming up and Joe Pavelski as well. So um, one of those three guys to bring in would be amazing, especially like I said, with the absence of Sammy Blay. Um, you know, I, I would love for it to be Tomas Hurdle. I think the Rangers need a little more depth in the center position. Um, Ryan Strom's definitely like shown himself and, and has really proved himself to be a, a really strong center. I think he's been a big question mark as far as like, you know, uh, his legitimacy. Yeah, legitimacy in the last couple of years. Um, yeah, sorry, my words are just all fucked up today. Um, it's it's <laughs> Thanksgiving meal hangover, yeah. right? You yeah. just you eat way too much, and you you just you're not as sharp as you normally are. I, I get it. It's all good. Yeah. Um, lineup changes for me. Um, you know, maybe I'd like to see Zach Jones come back. And, uh, you know, he played a couple games to finish the year last year on defense. Um, Nils Lundqvist has been fine. But, you know, I'd like to see Zach Jones maybe get more of a shot and have Nils kind of get some more confidence in the minors maybe. Um, but then, yeah, the trade deadline, like Hurdle, Pavelski, um, you know, two guys that really stand out. Even, even like I said, Kessel would be great. Like, you know, having another prolific goal scorer would be a, a huge addition to this team. Um, I don't think we necessarily need, like, another third, fourth-line guy. You know, that was kind of the emphasis this offseason. So just getting another guy that can be, uh, you know, a guaranteed uh, goal scorer, that'd be pretty big. And last question before we uh, gear up for Rangers Bruins at one. Do we think the Rangers are going to stay top three in the division or are they going to be more of a wild card spot? I mean, that's tough. Um, You know, let me kind of actually check the standings really quick to see where they line up as far as uh, the numbers go. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So I don't think they're going to finish ahead of Carolina. Um, you know, they could potentially finish ahead of Washington, but then again, like, you know, these teams like Philadelphia has looked solid. I mean, not great, but solid. And then Columbus has looked great. Um, the Islanders then again, later on in the year could find their stride. You know, I'd like to think they'll, they'll get that third spot. Um, you know, I could potentially see them getting that wild card spot in the playoffs too, though. Cause I think, as far as the Atlantic division goes, Florida, Toronto, Tampa, and Boston are those top four kind of teams. Um, so I could see them getting one of those wild card spots. I think, you know, they're not going to catch Florida. They're not going to catch Toronto. Tampa Bay is, is iffy with injuries and stuff. Um, I don't know. It's, it's really tough to tell this early on. Um, if they continue it, obviously, yeah, they, they should be able to get the third, if not the second. Um, but I can guarantee they probably will not win the division. Um, I don't think anyone's catching Carolina. But yeah, I mean, there's no reason why they can't. We're gonna be positive. We're yeah, gonna be positive. They're staying top three in the division. Let's mm-hmm. go. We're gonna mm-hmm. be positive. That's it. We're putting it on wax. I really think though that two week Olympic break can change everything. You know, good and bad. I don't know. It's gonna be tough. 
You know what? I to- I honestly, I totally forgot that this year was the Winter Olympics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everything's gotten screwed up like over mm-hmm. the last year and a half. Didn't take that into consideration, but you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah. matter. It's a young team. It's a fun team. We're doing it. Madison Square Garden is back being electric. Let's go Rangers. That's Speak it. Speak into existence. That's right. That's right. We put positive juju in the, in the world. You know, Imtirtsu Enzo Agadat to quote uh, Theodore Herzl. There it is. Uh, Jai, this was great, man. We're going to have, I want to have you on again later on in the year. And also I'm still waiting on my invitation to the locker room. <laughs> we'll get you there. Still waiting. I know you have a, a long list of dudes. We got a lot. We got a lot. We got a lot. I, I, I want to make an appearance just one time. We'll get you there. Awesome. Thanks so much for doing it, man. The, the, the hair looks great and Thanks, uh, keep it going. Let's go Rangers. Appreciate it. Thanks, Aaron. Speak to you. Thanks again to Johnny Lazarus for coming on, uh, talking a little Rangers today. He does awesome stuff. Check out his Rangers podcast. Check out the locker room. Really good stuff from him. Thanks so much to him for coming on on a Friday afternoon before the Rangers tip off in just a matter of moments. One quick thing I forgot to mention about the Knicks in my monologue before we head out. RJ Barrett. RJ, what's going on, my guy? All right. Uh, The finishing at the rim has been gross. The decision-making with the ball has been bad. Uh, every time he shoots right now, I have no confidence that's going in. I know he went three for five from three against the Lakers. RJ, we got to figure it out, all right? It looked so promising to start of the year. What's going on? Let's figure this out. Let's go, Rangers. Let's go, Knicks. That's episode 133. For the love of the game, take us out, Cali. I'm the best, and we be the sh- Like the nature's at the F. I got you, don't sh- Like I got him deaf. And I'm right, right, and you're wrong, left. Ha, 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 ha. Check out this bizarre. I am regularly irregular. Cali, best DJ. We the best rapper. If Cali say it's a movie, then we the best Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.